anymore. Uh, got the chorus to like, let's do that. Yes. The, the con- Grace to you and peace from God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. While I was at high school, it was announced that the county, Franklin County, Missouri, had a meth problem. And it wasn't just a little problem. They measured it through something known as incandescent meth labs. And our county was the highest in the state of Missouri. We had a real problem. And so one of the things that they did to try to combat this was, in high school, they gave us these little comics. They weren't real long comics, but they were comics. Comics meant to divert us from walking into the realm of heavy drugs. And my friends and I would read these, and then we would gather together and laugh hysterically. Now, we didn't laugh hysterically because we didn't agree with the message or what they were trying to do. We very much did, but... We laughed hysterically because, well, they were humorous. The comic started with two guys wearing leather jackets with their collars popped up, with, with, with heavy circles around their eyes, holding their hands together menacingly. And then it came with an innocent-looking young man who's innocent and bright and had his whole future ahead of him. And of course, you know how this goes. By the end of the comic strip, he too had a leather jacket with the collar popped up and the dark circles around his eyes. Apparently, if you did heavy drugs, you became a very tired-looking Fonz from the Happy Days. <laughs> that was the message that I got. But you see, that was what was humorous about it. It was unrealistic. It was unrealistic. And most of the people that I had gathered around, we knew the consequence of those kind of things. We had seen it. We had witnessed it as heavy drugs had destroyed lives. As it had hurt people and tore families apart. We knew what it did. And it never came with a leather jacket and an evil smile. No. It came instead with a happy face. With somebody who seemed like they had their act together trying to tell you that if you just did this one little thing. You see, that was always what it was. It was never some big, massive thing. It was always just a little thing. That was the way temptation came. Temptation did not come with somebody saying, hey, why don't you do this purely evil thing? But it was always this idea of just bending just a little bit. Can you bend just a little bit? And then over time, with this idea of bending just a little bit, over and over and over again, before long, you took a look back and you began to reflect upon your life, and you said, how did I get here? And you said, oh, it started a long time ago. With this idea of just bending just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. As we read through our, so many of the texts, even the Old Testament text. We see this on full display. Even, even on Wednesday, when we read through Genesis 3, we're looking at Adam and Eve in the garden and the temptation by the serpent. And what does the serpent do? He doesn't say, hey, do this really evil thing. He says, did God really say that? It's just a little bit. Just a little question. Just a little doubt. Did, did God really say? It's always just a little bit. When we look at the Israelites, when they were in the wilderness for 40 years, 40 years, 
and we begin to look at all the things that they went through and all the temptations that they faced, it's always the temptation of the little bit that always adds up to something else, something major. But it doesn't start there. It always starts with this little bit. Just doubt just a little bit. Just complain a little bit. And before long, it balloons into something completely different. And the Israelites all too often failed. You see, it's important for us to keep these kind of things in mind, especially as we approach our gospel lesson. In the gospel lesson, we see Jesus going out into the wilderness, fasting, not eating, for 40 days and 40 nights. And there he's tempted by the devil. And the first time we read that, the first time we really see that, we have to begin to ask the question, why? We know that Jesus came to fulfill the law, but is this part of the law of God? Is it part of the law of God that you go out into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights and get tempted by the devil? Is that part of the law of God? Why aren't the other Jews doing that? Why aren't the other Israelites going out into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil? We know it's God-ordained. The Spirit is the one who leads him out into the wilderness. So we know he is doing the will of the Lord. But we have to ask that question, why? Why is he going out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? And the answer comes in the quotes. The quotes of Scripture found there all come from Deuteronomy. They all come from a time whenever the Israelites were in the wilderness. You see, Jesus is taking on the times when the Israelites failed. When they faced temptation, even those little temptations and those great big temptations, and they failed. They failed to follow through. They failed to follow God's word. He's taking all of them on, and he is redeeming them. That is, he is doing what is good and what is right. He is not failing to temptation. Instead, he is doing the will of the Lord, even where others have failed. And it's not just that he's taking on just those temptations, but in fact, he is taking on all temptations. Throughout his entire ministry, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ takes on as a burden all of our failures, all of our temptations, and all of our sin. And he goes to the cross. And it's there that he ultimately pays the price for where we have done wrong and for where we have failed. Now, our epistle lesson for today is Hebrews 4. And I know at first glance, we kind of go, well, how are these two texts connected? And, and then we see the word temptation. See, it's in both of them. And we go, that must be it. The only, the only connection is the word temptation. But you see, there's so much more than just that. It says that Jesus is our great high priest. Now, a high priest in the ancient world, in the Old Testament world, you might say, was one who was able to perform the sacrifices, but even more than that, he was able to walk into the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, the physical presence of God. And it was there that a lot of times he would sprinkle blood onto the mercy seat where he would do what was necessary. But he acted as a representative of the people. He took upon himself that burden to go into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat to ultimately give the forgiveness of sins. And this is what Jesus is doing. You see, sometimes when we use that word priest, we, we kind of have some confusion. 
You see, in the Catholic Church, they use the term priest to signify somebody who's basically in charge of a church. And the reason they do that actually comes down to their theology of Holy Communion. I'm not going to get into a lot of that today about why that is and all that kind of stuff. But because of that, it kind of sometimes creates this sense of confusion. Really, the idea of a priest is somebody who sacrifices, but also somebody who's able to walk into the holy spaces. And then we might say, well, who's a priest nowadays? And we go to Peter, who tells us that there is a priesthood of all believers, a royal priesthood, he says. Now, don't get me wrong. That does not mean that we're all pastors. This is where that confusion comes in. What it means is that having been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, we can walk into the holy space. And in fact, even more, we can receive the very true and present body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, our great high priest who took upon himself all of our failures, all of our temptations, all of our sin. And instead of giving us condemnation, redeemed us, cleansed us, gives to us eternal life. And all of this through him, Jesus Christ, our great high priest, in his name, amen. And now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, amen.